Welcome to episode 3 of the St. Timothy's EYC Q&A podcast. Today we're going to jump right into it because we've got a lot to discuss and we're going to be talking about miracles. So our question this week comes from, uh, again, an anonymous um, asker, but the question is this. In the Bible, there are miracles everywhere in the story. If these miracles happen through the power of God, and God is supposedly real, then why are no more miracles performed today? And right off the bat, I think this is a great question because it's recognizing that we do live in a different world. Our world today seems different than the world we see in the Bible. So let's jump right into it. And right right off the bat, I want to acknowledge that it might seem like the Bible is just full of miracles. I mean, every other page, sometimes you, you think that there's a miracle, especially once you get to the Gospels. I mean, Jesus is performing miracles left and right. But if you look at the span of the years covered by the Bible, you realize that there might not be as many miracles as you think. If you look at the you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years that the Bible spans, The miracles were surprising and unexpected every time they happened. It was not a commonplace thing. And that's why it was noteworthy. That's why it was worth writing down. If it happened every day, it wouldn't really be worth writing about. So there were probably fewer miracles than we think throughout the Bible. It's just that we kind of have the record of every time they were performed. And also, it's it's worth acknowledging that There were periods in the Bible where people felt like they were in the same position as whoever asked this question. They felt like, why am I not seeing any works of God? Uh, We used to see a bunch of them. And there are people in the Bible that feel like, hey, we have all these records of the works of God, the wonderful works of God and the miracles of God. Why don't we see them anymore? Here's, Here's one example. In Psalm 77, the psalmist says, I will remember your wonders of old. And this occurs in the midst of this kind of psalm of lament. He's he's wanting to be comforted in the midst of this extreme struggle. And he's remembering the miracles worked by the Lord in the time of Moses or Elijah. And he's saying, I don't see any miracles around me. You know, where are you, God? Where are your works? And so I think it's, it's worth noting that this is not a unique, you know, modern phenomenon to feel like there's not that many miracles happening around us. The miracles in the Bible happened at unexpected times, and there were periods where people felt like there was not a lot of going on. There was not a lot of God's, you know, miracles and miraculous works going on. So don't feel like, you know, you're alone in this, that up until, you know, hundred years ago they were happening left and right. Miracles have always been unexpected works of God, not a commonplace thing. And then we look at the life of Christ when there, I mean, there were miracles happening seemingly every other day. Um, But we also know that, you know, most of the life and ministry of Jesus occurred over a few years span. Um, You know, his life was only uh, a 30, 30, 35 years, 33 years, um, and his ministry kind of occurred at the end of that. And so even within the life of Christ, the miracles were kind of concentrated to a few years of his ministry. 
And all of the miracles that Jesus performs are very, it's very explicit why he's doing this. It's so that people would believe Jesus was God. These miracles were aimed at something very specific, the divinity of Christ. And think of the miracle that gets the most attention in the New Testament, the resurrection. I mean, that's the one that really everything centers around. And why does it get so much attention? Because it demonstrates Christ's power and divinity and his power over sin and death. So I want to pivot a little bit. And there's an interesting example from one of C.S. Lewis's books, The Screwtape Letters. Now, C.S. Lewis was you know, a very famous Anglican author. He's famous for his Chronicles of Narnia series. But he also has some other books um, that are obviously worth reading. And this book, The Screwtape Letters, is um, a slightly humorous account of how demons might tempt Christians. And so the, the book is set up as if it's, you know, this new kind of recruit almost. You know, there's this new demon, and his name is Wormwood. And he is basically writing back and forth to his uncle, this older demon who's more experienced in tempting, and his name is Screwtape. So the book is a series of letters of this older demon, Screwtape, kind of coaching his nephew, Wormwood, on how to tempt the human he's been assigned to. And his goal, obviously, is to tempt this human away from God, who is called the enemy by the demons. And so it's, you know, you get some some aspects of humor, but you also get some really um, deep meditations on how does temptation look like. And what I think is most interesting and what pertains to our talk today on miracles is how Screwtape coaches Wormwood to handle the supernatural things. Now, he says in one of his letters that, you know, a long time ago, the, the goal was to just kind of show up and show our power as demons um, and hope that people would side with us instead of with God. But Screwtape acknowledges that that, you know, he's telling Wormwood that doesn't work anymore. What he actually tells Wormwood that, you know, the new preferred method of temptation by the demons is not to show the human demons and Satan alongside God and hope that the human sides with Satan instead of God. The preferred method is actually to get the human to not believe in anything supernatural, even you know himself, Wormwood, even the demons or the angels. The idea is that if humans don't believe in anything supernatural, then they have no chance to side with God. But if they believe in demons along with God, then they might side with God. Their ultimate goal, you know, these demons, their ultimate goal is just to get to believe, get people to believe that, you know, nature is all that there is. Um, that there's, you know, they want them to believe in something we would call naturalism or materialism. That there is no supernatural being, whether angel or demon. There's no immaterial reality around them. There's no God. There's nothing. There's just nature. So I think C.S. Lewis was on to something here. Um, and what he's recognizing is that the greatest threat to Christianity at the time, um, and I think that still applies today, was not necessarily, you know, demons tempting people away from God, but the temptation to not believe in anything besides the world. The temptation is to just believe miracles aren't possible. Demons don't exist. Neither does God. It's just, you know, the world around us. That's it. And in thinking about miracles today, I think C.S. Lewis is right. I think the greatest temptation for us 
is not necessarily that we think miracles are not happening anymore. I think the greatest temptation is thinking that miracles aren't possible to begin with. You know, I think our greatest temptation is not that we wish miracles were happening today. It's that we kind of just don't think miracles ever really did happen. So I want to acknowledge that, that there is a great temptation of naturalism or materialism, that some, that nothing supernatural can exist, and that the only things that really exist are the things that we can interact with physically. That, I think, is underlying any conversation we have about miracles, and we have to push back on that. So how do we push back on that? What's the best antidote to this naturalism or materialism? Again, go back to what we said. What is the ultimate miracle? The entire life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is a miracle. The miracle of Jesus' resurrection was the prime example of miracles. It was the miracle of all miracles. That is the height of the power of God working in a supernatural or miraculous way. And the miracles that Jesus performed throughout his life were all preparations for this ultimate miracle. Through Jesus, God becomes man, dies, defeats death by rising from the dead. And what a tremendous miracle that is that sums up every other miracle. Every miraculous wonder and sign somehow points to the resurrection. And the miracle of the resurrection still affects us today. It was not just a one-time event. So one of the, the last points I want to make before we sum up is that there are indeed miracles happening today. Um, so kind of going back to the original question, there are miracles happening today, even if they don't happen right in front of our eyes. There are many examples of miracles happening, and many of them have been you know, verified by medical doctors. There is no you know, seeming explanation for them. Just yesterday, on Thursday, we celebrated the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, which is one of many examples of a place where the Virgin Mary appears to someone. You know, some of the other famous examples are Our Lady of Guadalupe or Our Lady of Fatima. And what strikes me, you know, when I read about these miracles is how determined some people are to explain them away. As soon as we hear about them, our temptation is to immediately find some other explanation for them. So like I said, I think the greatest temptation for us today is to believe that no miracles are possible, that nothing supernatural is. So when we hear about modern miracles like this appearance of Mary, we're tempted to do everything we can to come up with some other explanation. Our ultimate goal, though, should be to have eyes of faith that are willing and able to see the work of God all around us. So, you know, numerically... Maybe there's less miracles per year than there were definitely in the life of Christ, maybe. But part of it is that we're so tempted, our gut reaction is just to push away any idea of miracles. To say they're not even possible. And we have to, we have to get at the root of that if we're going to open our eyes to the, the workings of God in the world around us today. And I, I want to end with this thought. The Eucharist has long been called the greatest test for Christians. Many of the old prayer books and old um, prayer resources that we have, especially you know in the Anglican and Anglo-Catholic traditions, say that the Eucharist presents the greatest challenge to Christians. And what they mean by that 
is that every time we witness the Eucharist, every time we witness the elevation of the bread and the wine, it is a it is a challenge for us to see the real presence of Christ in the bread and the wine. And not to, you know, see it like we would watch a movie. Um, it requires kind of a deeper scene than that. It's not just this mere physical sight, but it's to see it with eyes of faith. The Eucharist in and of itself is a miracle. And although it may not be as explicit or obvious as raising someone from the dead, we're, we're called to have eyes of faith because once we do, we are able to actually see it as a miracle. Every time we celebrate the Mass, there is this miracle of the bread and wine becoming Christ. Literally, I mean, the real presence of Christ being found in the bread and the wine. And so the challenge is to be able to look beyond the bread and the wine. Look beyond what we see with our physical eyes, that it is a wafer and a silver chalice with some wine in it. And to be able to see beyond that to the miracle happening And that's why it's such a challenge for us. And I think when we can see that as a challenge and understand how we push back on that, how we approach the Eucharist with eyes of faith, it opens our eyes to the other miracles happening all around us. So I think, you know, I think C.S. Lewis was right. I think there there is a, a big temptation for us to just discount everything. Um, the greatest temptation, you know, is that nothing miraculous ever happens. Um, and we push back on that starting with the Eucharist. We start there. We start with a prayer for our eyes to be open to be able to see the miracle of the Eucharist. And once we, once we make progress there, once we try to retrain our eyes and our mind to see with eyes of faith, rather than with eyes you know, influenced by naturalism and materialism, then we can start being able to see the works of God all around us, the love of God shining through all things. So two conclusions to kind of sum up what we've talked about. Miracles may not have happened as often as you think they did throughout the Bible. And miracles do still happen today, with the prime example, the most obvious one being the Eucharist. They just require us to not fall into the temptation of naturalism and materialism to see them. And when we see these miracles, when we come to actually um, see them with eyes of faith, it requires us to react to them. When we see miracles happening and we are willing to accept them, it's a reminder that there is something besides us in the universe. You know, there is supernatural things. There is a God. Um, and there are demons trying to tempt us away from that. So the challenge for us today is to use our faith to to advance in our faith, you know, um, to, to nourish our faith, to be able to see the miracles and works of God all around us. So an encouragement, um, if you don't know where to start, start with what's called the act of faith. Um, it comes from a scripture reference where, you know, we're, we're asking God to um, just simply help our unbelief. Um, maybe you recognize that you don't quite believe yet. Um, maybe you recognize that, you know, I, I don't know if I have the eyes of faith yet. When I see the Eucharist, I just see bread and wine. I don't really see anything else. That's okay. Start with this simple prayer of, Lord, help my unbelief. You know, it's kind of a desire to desire to have faith. And you start there, 
and you'll slowly make progress. Um, but you have to you have to be able to open your eyes past the world around you and, and recognize that there is more to existence than what we can just see and taste and touch. Um, there is something deeper and more real beyond all of that. So I hope you learned something a little bit about miracles. If you have any more questions about miracles, please reach out to me. Um, and please, you know, continue to ask your questions. We've got um, some more that we'll, we'll continue asking, but um, we need some more questions to be asked so that we can continue answering these each and every week. But until next week, um, I hope I've given you something to think about. Um, keep praying. Keep, you know, asking God to help your unbelief. And we'll all make progress together to be able to have our eyes open to see the miracles of God happening all around us. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.